0: got a few things I'm going to share with you this morning, apart from a message, just some challenging and some encouragement. Um, How many of you are excited about the upcoming year? Man, Man, I am. just want to, this kind of goes with my message this morning. Um, You know, when you look back, if I say, how was last year? ask you about that. Here's the thing a lot of people would look back on last year and go, Oh man, it's, you see everything bad that happened. You know, you remember everything, all the troubles, all the trials, all the struggles, all the falls and fails and all that kind of stuff. You know, the Bible says in Matthew, I believe it's chapter six, it says the eye's the light of the body. And if 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 that if your eye is full of light, then the body's full of light. If your eye is full of light, then your life is full of light and hope. But if your eye is full of darkness, if all you see is the falls and the fails and the trials and the troubles and the problems and the issues and, and all those things, it says that the body, your life's full of darkness, and how great is that darkness. You know, as God's people, we don't want to focus on the problem. We want to focus on the life. We want to focus your eyes on Jesus and the hope. You know, I can look forward to this year and go, oh, man, I, I can see some stuff coming. I, I choose because of who I serve because of who I know to look forward to this year and go, I'm excited about this year in faith. I'm believing God's going to do amazing things. If you want to look back over last year? I, I like to focus on the good things. God did some amazing things. There are people sitting here in the crowd today who was on your way to hell last year. And now you're not, you know, and, and that's awesome. And I saw God heal people and I saw God restore people. And I saw God provide for people. And I saw God bring people up out of that old miry clay and set them on the rock. And I've seen God do so many things in In my life last year, so I'm looking forward to, so I want to encourage you as you begin a new year, if you're, if you're full of that despair and struggle and depression, you know, here's the thing, in the presence of the Lord, if you, if you have your eyes on Jesus and you stay and walk in the presence of the Lord, you can't stay focused on that junk, because here's the thing, Jesus said, what can you do? You can't add one cubit to your stature by worrying. Worrying doesn't do anything whatsoever other than fill your heart with darkness and despair and, and, and depression and all that junk. Whereas if my eyes and my hope, my faith is fixed on Jesus and who he is, what he's promised me in my life, and I'm moving in that direction, praying to God, believing and seeking the Lord in that, then I have a great expectation that not because of who I am, but because of who he is, he is good. And he is able, and if we continue to walk in that, we'll see that in our lives. Period. Okay? And you say, "Well, I know what you may say." Or say, "Well, you're going to have troubles." Who cares? Jesus told me I was going to have troubles. I expect that, but I also expect victory. You remember, uh, it says in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight, the Lord said, "I will cause your enemies to rise up against you." He said, "I will cause your enemies to rise up against you." So that they, when they come against you in one way, they will flee in seven ways. One of the ways God shows his glory to us is to go, let the troubles come. Satan's going to come against God's people. And when he comes, the Lord's like, you keep your eyes and your hope fixed upon me. And you be faithful to what my word says to you. And I'm going to cause him to flee. I'm going to scatter the enemy so that you'll see my glory and you'll see victory in your life. So I want to encourage you, you know, today that you set your mind on having a year of victory you focus on Jesus, that you spend time with the Lord, and that you walk in his glory. Um. <clears throat> here's, here's a couple of just simple things before I get into my message. Now, this this last week, if you're not familiar with it, we, a few of us went to, uh, it's called the Passion Conference. Louis Giglio and a lot of other people are involved in that, and uh, I, honestly, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not big on conferences, you know, I'm not big on hype, you know, a lot of people, you know go to church camps like we're going to change the world for a day and and you know what i'm saying and so I'm, i'm not big on you know being jumping from conference to conference so i hope i get pumped up not about being pumped up but i'm gonna tell you this that was one of the most powerful life changing the speaking the singing the people the environment it was it was radical now, here's the thing. Next year, they're not going to be in Dallas. Uh, they wasn't able to get that building, but they're going to be in Atlanta, Georgia. It's 11-and-a-half-hour drive. Me and mine are going. That's how powerful it was. Now, anybody wants to go, you've got a whole year. You can look it up on, if you want to, Passion, I think it's 2023, 2024. You can look it up, and uh, you can see it. I wish I had my phone. i would show you some pictures of it. But, um, Oh, man. You're not going to, if you can walk out of there and go back to life as normal and be unchanged, man, you're dead already. But if y'all want to go, anybody wants to go, we're going to be going next year. I believe it's in January, January, I think. So it gives you a year to save. You can look up that and you, you know, find some folks go and save on gas and, and room with them and that kind of stuff and save money. And so, so it's possible. And here's the thing, and this is just where I want to start you off on victory. You say, what did it cost? Maybe a thousand dollars for two people. And a lot of people go thousand dollars. I missed three days working thousand dollars. Wow, what a little god you serve! What a little god you serve! That God can't. If you have, why don't we look at Lakshmana like and go, Lord? I don't have a thousand dollars, but I'm not looking to me. I'm looking to you, and I'm going to ask you, God, if you want me to go. If you can somehow provide a way for me to make a thousand extra dollars, if you'll give that to me, Lord, I'll set it aside and I'll go and I'll spend that time devoted to you. Amazing when you look up and you got the money to go. So, you know, sit here and whining about you ain't got the money, then, you know, you ain't looking at the right thing. You ain't looking at it to the right person. Um, the other thing is, and, and uh, this year we got a lot of uh, bull. Bull's not here today. But uh, bull is taking up the men's, the men's ministry in our church, and we got a lot of good plans coming up this year. We're going to do a men's retreat on Cooper Lake uh, WMA for a few days and we're going to do a bunch of camping and, uh, that kind of stuff. And then, and then uh, our family, like we did a couple of years ago, we're going to do some things. We'll invite y'all. You're welcome to go at any time. If we don't invite you, if we don't let you know, you're not invited. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but if we're going to be doing some stuff, you know, outdoor stuff and camping and going and, and love to fellowship. We just want to kind of focus on fellowshipping with y'all this year and building, building up the church. So uh, looking in, um, we're going to look at two different places. I want you to look in your Bible if you have Philippians chapter 3 and Exodus 33. Put your mark on there. Philippians chapter 3, Exodus 33. You know, as I was preparing and praying about this message, you know, first message of 2023, I always like to cast a vision or a a goal for us in the upcoming year for maybe for you personally, for your family, for our church. You know, oftentimes we think of goals, we think of things that we want to do or places that we want to go and see or things that we want to accomplish. And so that was kind of my mentality when I started looking at this and, um, I begin to read Philippians chapter, chapter 3. If y'all will, I want y'all to stand. You're going to stand in. Let's stand for God's word. <coughs> Philippians chapter 3. Um, we're going to start off in... I'm going to start off in verse 1. Uh, I'm going to read the first few verses there. Paul speaking here. He said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but it is for your sake. Beware of dogs, beware of evildoers, beware of mutilation, for we are of circumcision who worship God in spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. Or if I have confidence in who I am. Okay? Circumcised on the eighth day of of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Now, I want to skip real quick. I'm going to skip. I want you to look at verse 12. We'll go back to the other. I want you to... He says... Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I might lay a hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And notice what he says here. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. It, Y'all can go ahead and sit down. Otherwise, I'll have you stand the whole time. <coughs> and so, you know, when you look at that, when you look at that scripture, like, well, Paul's talking about goals. He's talking about setting goals. He's talking about pressing and reaching and how you go about reaching your goals. And you can get some principles out of that. But the more that I read it, I'm thinking Paul's not talking about places he wanted to go or things he wanted to see or things he wanted to do or things he wanted to accomplish. Paul is talking about the goal. His goal was Jesus. If you look in verse seven, it said, but the things that were gained to me, I count as loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss. Here was his goal. "...for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count him as rubbish..." second place he says it that I might gain Christ be found in him having not my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith that I might know him and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I might attain the resurrection from the dead and so Paul's goal was not that he might you know do something his goal was that he might know Jesus and I'm not talking about in salvation. I hope everybody here knows Christ as your as your Savior, as your Lord. And most of the time, people think that that's it. You know, once I got saved, I'm good and and, uh, and you know I'll go to church and do that, and they settle for way less than what God intends for your life. What Paul's talking about here is living a life under the influence of God's glory. Living a life under the influence of God's glory. You know, here's the thing. We all live under influence. I'm not talking about what happened with the majority of people last night. But I'm talking about our lives. Every aspect of our lives are shaped or influenced by people, by things, by philosophies. By, by what we look at, by what we hear, and, and it shapes who you are as a person, your thoughts, your actions, your desires, your pursuits, all of those things, every aspect of our life is the result of something or someone that's influencing us. And what Paul is and what I want to encourage each one of you is, you know, a lot of times I'm a goal setter. I I set goals and I like to, I like to look forward to things and I might not ever reach those goals, but that's, that's the way my mind works and I look. And this year as I studied, as I studied it just for me, and as I was studying this, the Lord kept bringing me back to go, quit looking at goals in the church, quit looking at goals in ministry, quit looking at goals in, in your hobbies, quit looking at, I want me to be your goal. I want you to know me. I want you to hear me. I want you to see me. I want you to pursue me. I want you to follow me. And and when you do that, I'll take care of all those other goals. I'll do things in in areas of your family, in your ministry, in the church, in your hobbies. I will show you what my glory is if you'll just come and, and focus on me and walk with me and have a desire in your heart to know me in a much, much deeper way. And so... You know, here's the thing. If you, if you set a goal that you can see, you know, it's a visible goal. Like maybe, maybe some of you go, this year, you know, my goal is to, I want to make this certain amount of money. You can see whether or not you met your goal. Or maybe this year, I want to reach, you know, this certain level in this thing that I'm involved in. Or this year, I want to kill, you know, 15, you know, whatever. Not bugs, obviously, right? But I want to, I want to do this or I want to go, I want to travel and I want to see this place and, but when you when you talk about going, well, how do you how are you talk about you know your goal is Jesus? You know how do you measure that? How do you how do you find that? I'm going to get into that in the next few weeks. This message will take a few weeks, not all at once, but over a, over a period of time. So so here's the thing: when you think about what's influencing your life, what's molding your thought process, what's shaping your desires and and your actions and our words and these things, you know who we are looking at on social media who we're spending time with, who we're married to, movies that we watch, advertisements that we see, the nature that we allow in our lives. If you're a born-again believer, you say, well, we all have a sin nature, but you don't have to allow it. You don't have to just let it go unrestrained. But sometimes people do, and it influences our, our choices, which influences our actions, which influences the results which is basically what you see in life because our lives is a cultivation of all the things that we're influenced by. All of those different things, plus there's a whole lot of others you can list if you thought about it. What's influencing you, Okay, what you're focused on and what you're looking to, those are the things that's molding your life. So, what would your life look like if you lived this year under the influence of God's glory? How would your life change day by day? How would it change your attitudes, your thoughts, your goals, your desires, your plans? How would it mold your your nature, your character, the way you respond? How would it influence your, your wife, your husband, your marriage? How would it influence your parenting, your children? How would it influence the environment of your home, the way that you looked at your job? That's what it does. Being under the influence, living under the influence of God's glory is going to change and influence every aspect of our lives. Or we can be influenced by, you know, the poison that we look at on social media and TV. We can put our lives around people who have filthy mouths, filthy ideas, filthy thoughts, worldly worldly desires. And don't think that you're just going to put yourself in that kind of environment and that because you're a believer that you're immune to it. Who you're around is going to directly cause and affect a whole lot of things in your life. You know, when I talk about God's glory, defined would be God's glory, When the Bible speaks about God's glory, it speaks about his presence and what radiates from that, the result of being in his presence. You know, it says in Matthew chapter 5, when he's talking to believers, he said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, when it says we're the light doesn't mean that I'm going to go out like Moses did or like one of these lights, you know, unless I'm, you know, right now you can see you can see a light. You want, you want my head shining? It's reflecting a light source. And when Christ is our light source, When His presence is my source, that means His nature, His love, His power, His character, His grace, His mercy. Everything radiates in every aspect of my life. If I'm in God's presence, how can it not radically affect my relationship to my wife? Because if I'm in God's presence, I'm going to be gracious and merciful and kind. Why? Because... From his presence is where I receive his glory, and that glory is transferred when I let my light shine no matter where I'm at. That means that I am a reflection, and I'm the one putting out the radiance instead of always absorbing it. You know, the world wants wants you to be like a sponge and just absorb. That's why, man, I saw it so much with this weekend. You know, you look, so many people just, they're always on that phone. You know what? When you're on the phone, you're not you're not putting into the phone. I mean, you might be putting your attitudes and and different things. And I'm not saying it's all bad, okay? But what I'm saying is most of the time, and I find myself doing the same thing. The more that I look at it, the more I look at it. You understand what I'm saying? You know, I get bored. I'm sitting there. My wife goes into wherever she goes shopping. I'm like, "You go ahead. I'll sit in the truck." You know what I do? Instead of just talking to the Lord and, and taking it in from God, I'm I taking, you know, I start sponging in social media or something on the internet or just something funny, you know, entertainment, laugh, all. Waste so much time and all that stuff just comes into me. And understand, whatever comes into you, it's going to radiate out of your life. And if you're watching and absorbing and being around, if you're around people with a, you know, poisonous attitude and you're watching things on TV, you go, oh, I can handle it. Yeah, if you think you can handle it. It's going to handle you. You're listening to even, you know, just music, anything like that Mold your heart and molds your desires. And the next thing you know, you look up and you're involved in those things and you get more of it and more of it. And next thing you know, they're affecting your life and they're affecting your relationships. And they're, you know, all these different things that are going on. And so we want to shift that. Like, all right, I recognize that I have some bad influences in my life. And if you want your life to change, then you've got to change the influence. And you have to become an influence. And so in that, some of the things that that the Bible speaks of about, you know, God's glory and what radiates from it. Psalm 16, I'll just give you some of these. Psalm 16 says, in his presence is the fullness of joy. How many of you say, man, I'm so full of joy? Most people don't. Most people are like, I'm so full of misery and I'm just trying to find something. I'm looking for, I'm looking for an influence, you know, to make me happy, to give me this joy that I want. And the Bible says, Jesus said, just let me be your goal. Just come and just stay in my presence, walk in my presence, seek me, seek my face, seek who I am, take time and spend face to face with me. And I'll give you the fullness of joy. Matthew chapter five already said that, produces good works and a great witness. You want to be a witness for Jesus? Spend some time with him. It's not, here's the thing, it's not a program. Well, we want to come to church and like, I'm, I'm alright, i I know I'm supposed to witness and I'm going to try to witness. And so I need to memorize some verses. I'm going to memorize the Romans road. I'm going to go around. I'm going to knock on doors. I'm going to tell people what I've memorized in my mind. Like a witness doesn't come from your mind. You know, a lot of people are into the whole, and I'm not against it. They're into the whole, you know, debate and things, atheist and evolution and all these things. We want to debate. And we want to study all this stuff. We want to get in like but your witness doesn't come from your mind. Your witness comes from your heart. Your witness comes from within your spirit because you've been with the Lord. That's where you, that's when you want to witness. You desire to witness and you just naturally witness because you've been in His presence. Y'all wake this morning. You can read these stories yourself. Acts chapter 7, remember Stephen? All of a sudden he's got all these highly intellectual, religious people that are, that are coming against him. They got their rocks in their hand. They're ready to literally kill him. And all of a sudden, Stephen sits down in the presence of his enemy looking at death in the face. Think about this. He's looking at death in the face. And he stands up and speaks wisely. He shuts the mouth of every enemy that's there in his presence. He said, what happened to him? He ended up under a rock pile, but you know what he saw? He said, behold, he didn't see the face of death. He said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand ready to receive me. The glory, the Bible says that the glory of God was shining. They saw it. His face shine like an angel. You know why? He wasn't looking at death. He wasn't looking at the rocks. He wasn't looking, at, he was looking into the face of the Lord and it changed everything. Acts chapter four, remember, uh, John and, and Peter when they were standing there, they was looking at the same thing and they were bold. You know, being in the presence of the Lord, the glory of God gives us courage and boldness. You know, a lot of people I've seen everybody, like, my wife got me a ring. Let's just go ahead and get this out of here because I've seen a lot of you glancing at it and You don't want to ask. It's a lion here. It's really big and I like. I love it. You know why? Because the cross chains lions or lambs into lions. I want to be reminded, you know, I'm not some frail, fragile, fearful believer. God's given me the heart of a lion and I want to stand up and have the courage and the fierceness of a lion in love and in mercy and in goodness and in the gospel of Jesus, okay? Get your own ring, all right? But all of the things of God's glory (laughs) produces just life change, peace and love, a great faith, you know, great hope, a great influence and great success. You say, well, you know, don't get worldly on me. I'm not. I'm getting biblical on you. You know, for you young people you go, I enjoy let me, let me just talk about what you enjoy. Some of you enjoy I enjoy basketball, I enjoy sports, I enjoy, you know, hunting, I enjoy fishing. Some of you old people do too. Most of you have sleep at the nursing home most of the time. And anyhow, you know, and I'll talk about people over thirty. Uh but 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 you enjoy certain things. Now let me ask you this. Do you think that, that if you you're the very best you can be at the sport that you play? But what if God poured his glory out in you, in that sport. What if God's presence was with you in that? Do you think it would not cause you to have a far, far greater success? I can take the Bible and shred it with that principle. When God, when you, whatever you bring Jesus into the middle of, he's like, you know, well, I don't think the Lord likes that stuff. Well, I, I, I don't have to disagree with you. I'm going to have to greatly disagree with you because God gives us good things. And here's what I'm at. If it's a good thing and it's from God, he's all about it. And he wants to be exalted in what you're doing. And one of the ways he does that, he gives great success. Man, y'all are into this. Or you can go about it yourself and spend $10 million on all this stuff that you're doing and kill yourself doing it, and you're never going to make it to the big leagues. If God says, no, that's an idol in your life, you're done. I don't care how great you think you are, all right? Go about it in the right path. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. God's looking for young people in your generation to put you on a platform where you will be faithful to the gospel to represent Jesus. He's all about that if you can handle the blessing. Look at David from from a pasture with a bunch of sheep to the kingdom standing in a throne ruling over God's people and the greatest kings of the earth ever. And it did it, why? Because he had a heart after God. Now, I want you to look in Exodus chapter 33. <clears throat> We're going to spend a, you know, a few weeks here. Man, I hope y'all get this message. I hope you get it because it's life-changing. It's powerful. If you don't get it, you know, find you a pastor where you can get it. That's I'm, I'm serious. Like, I don't get nothing from you. Then go somewhere where you can get something. Go to the Bible. That's a good place to start. Okay. Exodus chapter 33. I mean a big old 33. Big old platform. I'm just gonna give you one principle. I had five. I need something else. To put this on. I had five that I wanted to give you. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna give you one this morning because we're out of time. Um. Here's the thing. Let me give you a background really quick. You you remember the story? Thank you, buddy. Thank you. That's awesome. You. There you go. You remember Moses, and we'll get to this later. We won't get to this morning, but at one point in time in Moses' ministry, here's here's a quick outline. You know, God brought the children of Israel out, brought them to the the Mount Sinai. He showed them his glory. He verbally, out loud, spoke to the children of Israel. Moses goes up on the mountain. God's glory descends on the mountain. It like a consuming fire, a cloud coming down on the mountain. Moses goes up into that. We should be consumed by the glory of God. He goes up into that. All of a sudden, you know, God writes the Ten Commandments on the two tablets. And here's what's going on. Now, the people are down there. And this is what we're going to look at this morning. They end up making two golden calves dancing. And drinking and acting like morons around and all that. God said, you better go down there and get your people straight because I'm fixing to smoke them. That's what he says. So Moses goes down, breaks the tablets. It's a picture of they had broken God's law, broken the covenant that they agreed to make with the Lord, okay? And all of that. Anyhow, so God shows them mercy. 3,000 people got killed. But but God shows mercy, and, and Moses represents the people. He's a picture of Jesus interceding for, for us. And, and here in chapter 33, we'll look at it, but, but Moses ends up back in, back up on the mountain with the Lord, and he's making some, you know, he's making some, some progressive, he's pressing. Like Paul said, he's pressing. He wants more of God, more of God. And God's like, I'll do this. And Moses' is like, what about this? A little bit more. And what about this? You know, you see men of God, if you get just a taste of God's glory in your life, think about Abraham, how, how God said, fixing i I'm fixing a, I'm figures of smoke, Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's like, if you, but if you find 50 righteous people, the Lord said, I'll spare it. And he, and he pressed. What about 40? And the Lord's like, I'll spare it. And he pressed the people who see the Lord, you get a, just a glimpse, a taste of God's glory, and you see that radiate in your life. You're like, I'm just going to press this a little bit more, press a little bit deeper. And the problem with the church today is they're not pressing. The only place that's pressed is the seat that they sit in. They're not like, I want like, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Wow. Amazing. Isn't that something to, just to give your life for? How many of you want to know the one who got you there? And so when, when we look at this, but anyhow, he, you know, he keeps pressing until he gets to the point, And God's done made him some great promises. And then he just, he took it to the limit. He's like, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I want to see who you are. And, and then it's, I'll go back over this in the next couple of weeks. But the one thing God said was, and he did, he showed him his glory. Don't be afraid to press and ask God for amazing things. That's who he is. You'll find out you serve an amazing God. If you don't ask, you're not going to find out. But but he pressed and the Lord's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pass by you and I'm going to cause you to see all of my goodness. All of my goodness. Now, I wonder if I looked over this crowd and asked you, how many of you say you've experienced just in the last year the goodness of God? I think most everybody go, yeah, I, I saw the good... uh You know, if I think about it for a minute, I saw the good... So when I was reading this in my notes, I, I wrote, God, I don't want to just read about Moses seeing your glory. I don't want to just talk to Willie on the phone and him tell me about him seeing God's glory. Show me your glory. And I don't want to just see it one time. I want to see all of your goodness. All of who you are. Don't start thinking about money and all that crap, okay? That's not what God's talking about in his goodness. His goodness far surpasses anything silver or gold can give you. And so he's like, I want to see all of your goodness, and, and we'll get back to that. But But here's the thing. The glory of God radically changed Moses' life forever and it changed people around him because when he came down off the mountain, he didn't, here's the thing, he didn't even realize it and the glory of God was shining through his skin on his face and people were like, they thought he was weird. And when glory of God's in your life, worldly people are going to think you're weird and it's like, cover up. But you know what? Moses didn't hide it. He kept going back into God's presence, talking to God face to face as a friend. Now, a lot of you know Jesus as your Savior. A lot of you know Jesus as somebody who's done a miracle in your life. A lot of you know Jesus as he's my, He takes care of us. He's our provider. He's the one that I sing to. But how many of us know Him so deeply that they go, I talk to God face to face as a friend? You know, in my life, I go, I'm looking for that, man. I'm, I'm going to press this year. Jesus is my goal. I just want to press and press go. I prayed this morning to God, like, God, I don't want to settle for ministry or settle for preaching or, or settle for an experience. <laughs> Even though that passion was an incredible experience, that's not God. The point is, it, it exalted God. It, it, it you saw God's glory there. Like, you know what, Lord, I just want to settle for a church experience or a worship experience or, or a preaching experience or a ministry. I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to hear you. I want to know that your hands guide me. I want to see you open doors like the word says you open. I want to see you close things in my life that you don't want me involved in. I want to see you raise the dead to life. Oh no, can God still do that? He does it all the time through the gospel. I want to see God where miracles, I want to see God heal things, I want to see the wonders of God. That's the God of the Bible, I just want to challenge you. Because some of you right now, your heart's going, oh, he's getting charismatic. No, he's getting biblical. I'm not going to let charismatics rob me of what the truth is. And the glory of God is something that I can't produce. If you can produce it, it's not God. And so, look at this, one principle I'm going to give you and we'll get out of here, okay? Um, To experience the glory of God, write this down. There is no substitute. There is no substitute. Notice in chapter 33. <clears throat> no, no. Amen. That's right. Uh, go, let's go to 32. I'm going to start at 32 this morning, okay? And I'm not going to cover the whole chapter. I'm just covering one verse. 32, here they are. Moses is up on the mountain like I told you. People are all down at the bottom. You've got to decide what group you're going to run with because it's going to influence you. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed Coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother who should have been up on the mountain with him. Said to him, come, notice what he says, make us gods. That shall go before us. Notice if you make it, you got to carry it. That shall go before us for... As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, notice they are attributing glory of God to a man they didn't say God It's like Moses, what he brought us out of Egypt, they didn't lost sight of God's glory. Some of you look at other people and you're like Brother Randall, brother Willie, you know sister so and so and you and you' don't attribute God's glory to any man we're nothing but dust but he goes on he says, for as this man Moses who brought us up of the land of Egypt. We do not know what has become of him. And then Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings, and I'll just tell you a story. You know, they give him the gold. There's a whole lot of preaching that right there. They give him the gold. The man of God is molded by the people rather than the man of God being molded by God and influencing the people. He He graves out two golden calves. He sets them out there, and the people go, These are the gods, the false leaders of the people. Not all the people, but there was false leaders, about 3,000 of them. That was influencing God's people. And rather than God's people being influenced by a man of God. Who should have stood for God. Rather than them being influenced by being in the presence of God. And knowing the word of God. They just listened to whoever spoke. And the next thing you know. They were dancing around the calves. And and drinking and alcohol. and, and, And sexual immorality. That's what was going on. And they was calling it worship. They was actually worshiping two calves in the name of the Lord. So that goes to show you that not all that you do counts as worship. It's about the object of your worship. And so in that, you can't substitute. Why did they substitute? Number one, they were unwilling to wait, persevere, and seek. I didn't say that it was easy seeking the Lord. Jesus said, actually in Matthew chapter, in chapter um, I believe it was seven, he says, strive, strive to enter in at the narrow gate. For narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. You know, you start telling people, well, what do I need to do? Well, you're probably going to have to read your Bible. Oh, man, read the Bible? That's going to take time. Time away from what? Time away from my idols. So that you can't substitute. They substitute what was real for a lie. Why? Because the lie is so much easier. See, then it's so much easier just to take what the world says. The world's like, you ain't got to do nothing. The devil's like, I'll give you all the glory of The world. If you just bow down and worship me, that's all you got to do is bow down and worship me and I'll give you everything that you can visibly see. And people are just like, we'll take that. Because this whole striving, seeking, persevering, waiting, being still, seeking, you know, even fasting. You know, I'm, I don't know about this man, Moses. I don't know about Brother Randall. He's an idiot. Uh, and I'm going to do it things my way. Well, you'll get what you get. But when you substitute, you're only going to get what you can produce rather than what God can produce. When you look at your marriage, are you getting what God can produce? When you look at your finances, are you experiencing what God can produce? When you look at the things your life is involved in, your goals, your dreams, some of you only set goals that you can attain. You know what your life is going to be? You're only going to see your glory, what you can attain, what the idol that you're building can give you as you carry that weight around. Y'all with me? Here's the thing, an idol is Satan's counterfeit. They were worshiping, they were drinking, they were involved in sexual immorality and every bit of it. You know, they was, I think they was enjoying it. When, 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 when Moses come down off the mountain, Joshua met him. He said, it sounds like war going to camp. You know what they heard? They had, <sighs> and cheering and shouting and dancing. It would have been an environment where like, you know, like, eh, yeah, yeah. No, not the godly people, but ungodly people. And like, this is awesome. You know what the world does? Oh man, this is awesome. And sometimes God people look at him and go, look at what all we're missing. Keep reading. 3,000 people died. This always leads to death. Sin always looks good. You think about it. You desire it. You reach out and you grab it. You conceive it. And sin produces death. Not just physical. Death of families. Death of relationship, Death of, of joy. Death of hope. Death of life. Death of, of dreams. Death of opportunities. Produce, it kills you. Every time. For a moment, seems great, quick, and then it's over. But here's the thing. A counterfeit doesn't produce power. It doesn't produce life change. You know, you change your idols to fit your life. God wants to change you and give you life. There's no lasting joy. There's no goodness in it. You know, here's the thing. If you want to see and hear and know and experience God, there can't be any substitute. Stay with me. i got five minutes left. Whatever it is in life that's influencing me more than Jesus, it's an idol. When you look at your life, you know, a lot of people think about, we think about, well, cars or a house or or a sport or this or that. Here's the question. What's influencing you more right now in your life? I don't care how much you sit in church. I don't care if you have a daily devotional. You listen to somebody preaching on the radio while you're going to work. What is it in your life that's influencing you most? It's your focus your desire, it's what you're t- it's taking, your actions, your words, your attitude, your thoughts. It's like, oh, if I could just have this or, you know, and it always has to be positive. Some idols are negative. Some idols are the troubles, the trials, the problems. It's what I focus on. It's what's influencing my attitude. It's what's influencing my, the spirit that I'm in, my countenance. It's just consuming me. It's, an, it's just many negative idols that are positive. In that sense, whatever it is that takes more influence in your life than Jesus is an idol. Sometimes church services can be an idol, it's the only influence you get. I I just need to go to church, so drained, so empty. I hope he preaches something good this morning. It's short, it's not. You know, and if anybody needs to leave, you're not gonna bother me if you have to go. I understand that. But, you know, since we cut out most Sunday nights, we're gonna double up. And that anyhow, Here's what you get. I just want you to get this truth right here. I cannot serve a god or an idol and see God. I can't serve. You can't get and, and here's what the problem with American Christianity. We just want both. I, I want I want my idols and I want the things that influence me and I want the things that my that my flesh loves and I want to be involved. I want to dance around the golden calves. Oh, but I want I want to see the glory of God on the mountain in my life. I just want to hear God's voice. I want these things. You can't have both. Here's the thing, you've got to make a choice. You're either going to serve your idol and get what it gives, or you're going to turn away from your idol to the living God. And you're going to serve him, and you're going to get what he gives you. Here's some of the idols, real quick. Here's some of the idols that's robbing you. I'm, I, I promise you, I'm almost done. I just got to give you this stuff. The idols that's robbing you, you. You can be your idol. Most, For most of us, we are the, the biggest idol in our life. I want to be happy. I want this. I want to experience this. I want to see this. I want to feel this. I don't want that. I don't want this in my life. I don't want to have to go through this. I mean, me, 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 my, 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 my. It's all about you, or somebody else. How people view me, you know, that's you, my image, what other people think. All these different, you know, I want that person has. I want their life. I want their money. I want their job. I want their husband. I want their wife. I want their kids. I want what they have. I want the opportunities they're getting. You just look at them. You look at them. That's why you watch a show every week called American. We desire to be rich. So is there anything wrong with money? As long, long as it don't control you. Is your money your greatest influence? Your bank account your greatest influence? Does the idol of a sinful nature unrestrained? I'm, well, I'm going to do whatever I want to, however I want to, be involved in anything I want to. You know, I I, I know it's not honoring to God when I watch Radio filthy movies and filthy words and filthy scenes and all that stuff, but you know what, I can handle it. And we're saved, ain't there grace? Then you got religion and tradition. Uh... And I used to be one of those people. So you know why you didn't see God and experience God? Because all you could see is the traditions you were raised by that have nothing to do with God. You know, the Lord's like, you know what? If you want to see me, you, you be biblical and you move in this direction. I'm, I'm not going to move in that direction. You know why? Because I, I, I'm the idol, don't think in my mind that it's right for a preacher to preach without a suit and tie on. So I'm totally anti that, and he's lost his mind. Whatever, show me that in Scripture, you can't. You're focused on people and traditions to the seeing Jesus. Entertainment can be an idol. Possessions can be an idol. You know, entertainment, entertainment's fun, but boy, we can get hung up on going, I need to be entertained more and more and more and more. Social media can be a, I think that's one of the biggest idols in our country right now. Social media, we just gotta have it. You gotta look at it all the time, gotta comment all the time, gotta do stuff all the time, got oh, you're to talk about you. If you're not looking at it, you talking about people. Did you see that post she made? You know what I'm saying? Ministry can be an idol. Just because you get more and more and more and more involved in ministry does not mean that you are seeing God. Careers can be an idol. And I'll stop right there, okay? I was just giving you some ideas where you can look at your own life. I hope everybody's sit here and go, none of that influences me. It's not the idol of my life. Praise God. Some of those things influence me. All of these and others take the place of pursuing Jesus. They take the forefront of our lives, our focus, and here they're robbing you. They're killing you and your family. And let's finish with this. Here's the good news. God desires to show us his glory, the greatest glory God ever showed you. If you want to talk about all of God's goodness, if you'll keep reading this week, because we'll be there, if you'll keep reading, he said in, in chapter 33, uh, I believe in the first part of 34, he passed by Moses, and said, I'm going to set you in a rock, I'm gonna co- in the, the cleft of the rock, the rock is Christ. I'm going to cover you with my hand because no man can see my face and live. And I'm going to pass by, and he passed by, and he declared his name, the Lord, the Lord God. What he magnified was his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, his promises. You want to see the glory of God? Go stand at the foot of the cross. That's what changes you. That's the greatest glory of God when you see that God himself came as a man to die for wicked God hating sinners that nailed him to the cross so that we could be forgiven and receive all of his goodness, all of his mercy, all of his glory. Isn't it an amazing thing that, that we're we we are what we are because of sin? And then the Bible talks about God's glory in John chapter one. It says it says uh that he give us the power to become not slaves, not servants, but the sons of God. You think about those things. Let those things saturate your heart, your thought, your mind. You wake up in the morning like, man, does God really know what I've done? That he would want to adopt me, give me an inheritance. Everything that is Christ is now mine. I have power. I have security. I have grace. I have confidence. I have mercy. I have peace. I have hope. I have a God who's ready to shower out his glory and his blessings in every area of my life. I have that. Whoo, man. The glory of God. You know what happens? You start shining. The next thing you know, you know you're know you waving at people instead of waving, hey, you shouldn't be waving at people going down the highway. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So here's the thing. You can't have it all. You have to make a choice. And the Bible says we have to turn from idols to the living God. His life and his goodness and his glory, there's no substitute. So here's the thing. My prayer today is that you'll forsake those idols you're sitting here listening to the message this morning like, that's an idol, this is an idol in my life, then what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do with it? You're going to walk out here and just, oh, that's a good message. I felt really convicted. stomped all over my toes. What changed that brain? You're going to be back next Sunday getting the glory of the world, getting the glory of your idols. Maybe the reason God's Spirit went, that's an idol in your life, because He knows it's robbing you of the goodness He wants to pour out in you. How many of us this morning will leave carrying our idols? How many of us will be leave this morning radiating God's glory? Go, God, I'm, I'm I want to change. I just want to, I just want to express to you today. Find you a place, and we'll get in this next way. Find you a place where you can just go. Okay, God, as weird as this might seem, I don't even know what to expect. I'm just saying, I don't even know what to expect, God. But I ain't getting up here. I ain't leaving this place. Until I hear you, until I see you, until I've been in your glory. Take God's word, get on your face. I went yesterday six hours in the woods just on my face with God's word. and like, I ain't, I ain't leaving until I've been in your glory. I hope this morning maybe you will go, hey, he was in, in God's glory. I feel like I was. And I have such a great hope today that I didn't have. Jesus wants to give that to you in every area of your life. You have to determine. Will you continue to focus on your idols? Or are you going to leave here today and go, I'm, I'm leaving that darkness. I'm going to fix my eyes upon Jesus. Will you stand with your head bowed? Let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, I love you. I thank you so much for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, that your goodness is your long suffering, your patience with us. So many times in my life, you should Lord, you should have smoked me. But you're good. Mm. So good. And God, I just I pray that we wouldn't settle for anything less. God, that we would remove the what we've substituted in our life for your presence, for your glory, for what we've made you out to be. God, we think we have you all summed up. It's all about a church visit. God, I just pray that people would press. Lord, I pray that they would press beyond what church teaches. Press beyond what the world says of you. Have such a hunger and a desire in our heart to go. I'm going to find out for myself who this God is. How good he is. What he's willing to do. What can he do in my life? God, maybe there's people sitting here who have made a mess of it. I, I have. Lord, I pray that people would just bring things to you and go, all right, Lord, tried everything my way, danced around the calf. Did it like the world, God, I just want to come to you with my life and surrender. I go, God, what can you do? I just want to be still before you. Just want to see what you can do, not what you can help me do. But God, just through your goodness and your mercy in my life, if I just come to your presence, God, can you do something with what I've made of myself? Lord, I know you can. Pray people would lay a hold of that hope for which you've laid a hold of them today. In Jesus' name, amen.